0: Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Booze, Booms and Busts, the podcast where we discuss market events while at the same time quaffing a few beers which we haven't tried before. My name is Boa Shoshan and I'm joined as ever by Sam Valkering. Sam, how are you getting on this week?
1: Hey, hey, I'm uh, I'm pretty good. It's, uh, yeah, looking forward to a couple of beers, looking forward to our special guest. This is, Indeed. This is This is going to be controversial. This is going to be wild. I'm, but But I'm pumped. I'm pumped for it. I'm not going to lie.
0: Yes, indeed. In this episode, we have got a special guest on. Do welcome Tim Price. Tim is a fund manager. He is the author of Investing Through the Looking Glass, and he's also a very accomplished financial market commentator. Tim, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you very much for the kind invitation, guys.
0: Tim, tell us, what have you been looking at this week? What have you been focusing on in the markets?
2: Um, there's really only one story, isn't there? And that story is inflation. So oh, yeah. from a from a, an investment perspective... Not that we foresaw any of the nonsense of the last, you know, 15 months coming, but happily, we're, you know, in in terms of sort of what we're doing with clients and the way we work with clients is exactly what we do with our own money. So there's there's no conflict of interest, such we're all in the same boat together. Um, We're happily, I think, and I'm touching as much as much. Wood as I can. Sorry, that's probably going to sound a little bit inappropriate. um I'm touching as much wood as possible. Hey, I say hey, what this. you get up to in your own time is, <laughs> is on your own
1: time.
2: um But we 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 think we've got every chance, hopefully, of weathering the storm because we've got a lot of inflation hedges. We've got a lot of gold. We've got a lot of silver. We've got a lot of precious metals mining companies with little or no debt and huge cash generation. Uh, and we've got an extra level of portfolio protection in the form of trend following funds. So. You know, long story short, although it's been an uncomfortable ride, um, we're we're not finding we have to do too much stuff. We're just sticking with what works. To to answer your question, but are
1: you setting in for the long haul with the inflation thing? Like, do you do you guys see this as being something that is just going to plague us for the next year, two? I th- three? I think
2: you would need. I think you would need a monumental change in the philosophy and composition of Western governments before this this theme changes. So I think bluntly, unless you see that. Massive shift in political debate and the political infrastructure. Then I think this is going to be a long haul. Yeah.
1: Well, and the other thing I'm curious about is why has it taken us so long to only now start to see it flow into demand? It's it's
2: really it's really a, it's it's really a very good question. And the, the other thing I would add, and clearly I, there's an element of book talking, but kind of not really. I'm I'm trying to be as objective as possible because we can invest in realistically whatever we like, so we're not obligated to own say precious metals or, or similar things. Um, we just find that there's a lot of value in the, in the, in the equity space there. there's a, I was meeting with a client earlier, and we were talking about, there's a slide that we sent to clients that we sent over the last quarter or so. It's chart of the, I think it's the Bloomberg Commodities Index versus the S&P 500. So effectively yep. commodities versus paper assets, equity in this case. And on that measure, commodities have not been this cheap relative to US large cap stocks for 60 years. So just to reiterate that stat, this is probably the most compelling investment theme of my lifetime, and I'm I'm in my fifties now.
0: Damn. The with that, Tim. What and looking specifically at the S and um, you know, is, can you expand a bit on that because? There are, you know, in the CRB index, the you know the Bloomberg Commodities one. You know, it's, there are different other commodity commodity indices that you'll find where they have different weightings for sure. You know, the
2: hards and the soft and things like yeah. That. This is this, I can just t- tell you, are just regretting instantly the fact that I'm bringing down. It's like the line from Aliens: Did IQs just suddenly plummet while I was away? Well, I, I like to think I'm doing my bit for IQ plummeting during the course of this uh, call. Well, you know, every beer consumed is a beer. That I <laughs> A, 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 beer, then, a beer happily consumed is never wasted.
1: Two. We usually stick to two. But, you know, if you want to knock
2: back four, be my well, I've already started on the Prosecco, but that's because I'm entertaining some ladies whoa, later. Whoa, 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 This is a Prosecco food.
0: <laughs> <boom laughs> that's illegal, Tim. That is illegal. Put that down. Get the it, r-
2: it reminds me when there was a Fuller's uh, off-license. Am I allowed to mention brand names? Fuller's no, of off-license on um, Haverstock Hill, which is close to where I live. And this is going back about 15 years. And I used to like the guys there. They were very friendly and always took a piss. And were, do you remember Two Dogs and Hooper's Hooch? So these were like alcopops, Pops, basically. They were yeah. like basically adult lemonade. So like lemonade, but with like alcohol in. And so they were called Two Dogs and Hooper's Hooch. I think at least one of them originated from the Antipodes. <clears throat> Anyhow. I think two, so two Dogs sounds familiar. Two Dogs sounds like the candidate, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyhow, so I, I loaded up my, my basket with two dogs and Hooper's Hooch because uh, I've got a bit of a sweet tooth. And um, anyhow, so I, I carried this to the, the counter and they say, Oh, I see Sirs entertaining some ladies tonight. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, Well, quite right. Fuck you, mate. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm keeping you in business. The least you could do is show me some respect.
0: Oh, mate. Just that's irredeemable, that is irredeemable.
2: Yeah. And so, and yeah. So yeah. feel I mean,
1: free to mention brand names too. We're actively sponsoring beer. We're actively seeking beer sponsorship for anybody. Okay. Out okay. There.
2: Well, okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting my, my, my taste buds um, infused with some Jester IPA by Adnams in Suffolk. And I'm also looking forward to getting my lips ran around a, a, a red shirt Shoreditch blonde.
1: <laughs> You've been hanging to say that.
2: Since I know. The I mean, very start. who doesn't want to sink a Shoreditch blonde now and again? Tom, um, what are you drinking this evening?
1: Well, yeah, what a wonderful segue from uh, Lips Round the Shortage Blonde into what I'm drinking, which is a Pilsner to start off with, just a straight-out Pilsner called uh, New Barnes from the, <laughs> believe it or not, New Barnes Brewery, which is in Edinburgh. Uh, yeah, pretty straightforward, 4.2% Pilsner, nothing too sexy about the label, it looks like German in nature. Yeah. Um, 440
2: mil. So bre- brewed according to the reinheitsgebot then i would imagine
1: uh buggered if i know mate but it says nothing on here about pregnancy about <laughs> veganism about any of those things that every other woke crap these days so yeah. uh, but nonetheless good pills to start off with and we'll see how we go when we're at the bottom of it oh dear to go, to, pra- go, pregnancy
0: to- become woke crap i must have missed that <laughs>
2: I didn't realize we were going to start on the whole transgender debate so so quickly. To go back to your earlier thing, Boaz, um, I've, I, what what amazes me is the complete ubiquity, the complete um, universality of of basically pricing pressure to the upside in in uh, every aspect of the commodities market. So basically, I think all things commodities are going up. From our perspective, we naturally focus on the monetary metals, gold and silver, because our thesis has, has long been that we're basically in, a, in an environment of sort of monetary ongoing monetary debauchery, and that that's that's gone onto steroids as a result of you know recent events and the government massive overreaction to the supposed uh, deadly pandemic that is that is COVID nineteen. Um, anyhow, so as a result, you know we we're, we're just riding this out in the form of basically either bullion or very cheap. Um, gold and silver mining companies in, in sensible jurisdictions with little or no debt and great management and, and good cash flow generation. But um, there are clearly en- any number of ways of playing this theme. So it's basically, you know, you mentioned hards and softs, and it could be it could be hard, it could be industrial metals, it could be the the monetary parts of the the commodities uh, space, it could be softs, it could be tin, copper, corn, wheat, sugar. It, it seems to be that everything's going up. Um, and I think that's a. F- I suspect that's a function of the fact that the Fed, that the central banks of the West have completely lost their frigging minds.
0: Yeah, I find the commodity. I mean, it's been remarkable just looking at commodities over the last six months, right? It just everything is uh, everything is is blowing up, um, and including a lot of the you know the grains and things like that. Where you're looking at wheat and, and lumber, and you, you must have seen wood
2: prices. Lumber. Yeah, yeah, lumber. We've got, got wood. We- Got We've wood? Got hard wood for lumber. Hashtag, hashtag got wood.
1: You know, that, so they're talking about the with the price of lumber, right? That the, the, the price of new houses is increasing some ridiculous amount just because of the lumber price. I'm looking at my second beer here and I'm looking at the ingredients and it says barley, wheat, and oats. Commodities are going up and we're going to see inflation kick in. Then the fucking price of my beer is going to yeah. skyrocket as well. Yeah. Like these beers are already like a fiver. Uh, sometimes more
2: to yeah, to but get nearly out. nearly all of, nearly all of that is going to the government though. So the government's just a greedy bunch of cunts. So you know that's
1: the problem. <laughs> so, but I mean the the point is is that. Uh, These 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 commodity prices are relative to everyone because it all gets passed on. Like the government's going to only take more of a cut on their side Mm -hmm. of things. The brewers aren't going to all of a sudden go, oh, we're going to make less of a margin on our beers. They're just going to pass that shit on. You know, the big companies already are. Coca Cola pushed all their prices up because they have Mm -hmm. to pass on their costs because they don't want to. They got to return to shareholders. That's the ultimate goal. Um, So get ready to pay more for your beer as well because the government then is probably going to want even bigger cut. They can fund all the shit that they've pissed away in the last year mm. anyway um, so everyone's just going to start tapping you know every the everyday person is going to start seeing their their wallet get a little thinner and a little thinner and a little I thinner.
2: think the, I think the only thing to do is to try and try to hedge against that risk by owning shares in I don't know some of the major brewers you know yeah. Bush or, or Ambev yeah. or whoever
0: I think one part of the, um, the commodity bull market thesis which I don't quite I can't get totally behind. Or, or I can, but it depends on all of the other things that you accept when taking that on board. So I understand the currency debasement side, I understand the inflation side, but you know, commodity bull markets are still fundamentally driven by commodity demand, which uh, you know requires a really strong active commodity, right? You that know, people buying lots of these commodities in order to then do something with them.
2: My, my t- so, Sorry to cut in, uh, Boise, oh, but on. I think that the... I, I hear what you're saying. In other words, it's, it's, it's weird for there to be a commodity boom in the middle of a global well in fact half the planet's still under fucking house arrest so it seems seems a bit odd I think to answer that question I think the other thing to bear in mind is yes we're living through the weirdest of of sort of cycles in terms of geopolitics and the economy and monetary policy and government overreach and all the rest you know the rise the the aggressive return of the big state you might say (laughs) but I think the thing to bear in mind is all, what's also going on, I, I suspect, is uh, an ongoing retrenchment um, against globalism, so or against globalization. Mm-hmm. So yeah. for the last 40 years perhaps, uh, which has also been a driver for incidentally for lower bond yields and higher equity prices, you've had a, a, an increasingly globalized world led by basically the emergence of China and Asia more generally onto the world stage. Yep. <laughs> and that's been highly deflationary. Now that China, now that we're basically at war with China, I think that that, 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 trend can, can say, the, the, the sustainability of that trend can no longer be called and can no longer be taken for granted. So as, as people increasingly bring back stuff onshore shore um, and get more domestic and patriotic and jingoistic and all the rest, but that, that, that sort of pricing, that, that lower pricing trend is, is, is going to go into reverse.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I get that too. Because you get a- <coughs> everything. Um, I but then if that if you get that dynamic very broadly, then the commodity market itself becomes much more balkanized because yeah. yeah, the ultimately the commodities aren't moving nearly so much, and people are going to much more sort of local sources of lumber and oil and things
2: like that. Uh, but these, these fun- things these things aren't fungible markets in the way that money is. So yeah, you know, ultimately you'll need yeah, there'll need to be all kinds of re re repositioning and restructuring going on. But I think the, the bottom line is that given that governments seem to ter- governments and their agents, central banks seem determined to crash the system um, and bring in universal basic income and biosurveillance and a slave state and all that stuff, um, then uh, we just have to accept that prices are going higher. A- end of, it's like, you know, what don't you get about this? It's, it's, it's just gonna happen. They are deliberately making it happen. So this is something that we've been worried about and we've, we've you know, I've I've written Quite quite extensively over you know recent probably the last two decades, including with your own good selves uh, in the past. And what I think the effect of the government, whatever you call the government response to COVID, given that I think the whole thing is a scam anyway, um, just call it just call it government overreaction, uh, if not actually something more or more akin to genocide. Then um, what I think that the, say twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one have done is they've accelerated as even more quickly towards the sort of terminal phase of what, what an Austrian school classical economics a scholar would call the crack up boom. So I think we're now already in the, let's say, the first stages of, the, of the, what Ludwig von Mises called the crack up boom, which is when people start to twig the, the, the money, the currency system is just breaking apart. It's just creaking at the, creaking at the seams and there's a rush to convert that basically increasingly worthless fiat into something tangible. And I think that's also a big driver behind the commodity story.
0: Sam, further to what you were saying about uh, getting worried about how uh, the constituents for beer production are going to be something that's going to uh, explode and make beer more pricey. Uh, that does segue very neatly into my bearish segment for uh, for this week, which I thought may as well uh, kick off with here. Uh, actually, I should introduce the, the beer I'm drinking right now, which uh, Tim is going to absolutely love this. This is called Sling It Out Stout. Nice. Noice. Is, yeah. Uh, all manner of innuendos I'm sure that you could create there. It doesn't have a too too crazy label here. Um, what's, is, the, what's the ABV? A- ABV is 5.5%. Respectable. Uh, Respectable. And it is brewed using upcycled <laughs> Kellogg's Cocoa Pops.
2: Ah, oh, Fantastic. Yeah. Are you allowed to say cocoa pops? Oh, I think so. Hey,
1: if they want to sling a couple of boxes my way, then fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want some
0: upcycled cocoa pops?
2: Those uh, cornflakes that, last fair, that week? was does sound a bit like regurgitated cocoa pops.
0: Maybe, maybe that's what upcycled actually means. You know, maybe I mean, I, like- I
2: very much hope that there will be no upcycling of our beers going on later today. <laughs>
0: well yeah it's a good thing we're not we're not uh, recording the video of this isn't it um yeah i mean last week i did have the from the same brewery where they upcycle cornflakes mm. these are upcycled cocoa pop so this is seven brothers sling it out stout um and yeah 5. is it, not, is it not just bad, like
1: actually. a chocolate milkshake only crunchy
0: no it does <laughs> not taste chocolatey at all it just tastes like a <laughs> decent stout actually i uh, i i was hoping for something like you know blended Blended cocoa pops, really, you know, nice and nice and grainy, nice and mushy, yeah. but uh, yeah. not not really getting that. Uh, the actually my bearish segment for this week, if uh, mm. if I may begin with our bullish bearish, and I'll start with the with the bearish, actually comes courtesy of a listener to this podcast. Uh, oh. So there is a gentleman uh, on Twitter who goes by the handle Curious Mind, and his uh, his Twitter handle specifically is four underscore Curious Mind. Who forwarded this over to me, um, and this is a uh, this is a Colorado-based brewery called New Belgium Brewing, which has released a beer called Torched Earth Ale, which is purposefully brewed to taste bad, in order to uh, tell people how bad beer is going to taste in the future if we don't confront climate change and take oh, radical fuck. action.
2: Oh, for fuck's sake.
0: <laughs> that was my response as well. And I am very bearish on this. Um, but yeah, uh, a, great, uh, a great forward on there by Curious Mind. I believe he is a gentleman working in the oil and gas industry. I believe he's uh, an Okie, uh, a gentleman from Oklahoma. Very, uh, very, uh, a very good find there. <coughs> it as a booze faux pas. And, uh, yeah, that's my bearish segment for the week. Tim, what are you bearish on this week? Uh,
2: How long have you got? Um, (laughs) As long as you
0: want, mate. This is the perfect podcast for it. So,
2: as you know, I'm not a technical, uh, I'm not a trader, I'm not a market technician either, but I I just get the sense that at a broader level, I I mean, I don't even know what to make of the world, but uh, at a broader level, equity markets are uh, pricey. The the U.S. market is particularly pricey, so I'd be be bearish on U.S. prospects but if any market is is looking like basically uh, a shit house waiting to fall off the top of the tree and hit uh, a shit house looking to fall off the top of the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down it has to be bonds how anybody can be buying bonds unless at the point of a gun is just defeats defeats me so i think so this is any bond or
0: do pretty much use- any
2: bond but but, but certainly all the usual suspects so us government bonds uk government bonds i mean these guys could not be clearer they 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 couldn't be clear about their intentions if they were driving around in a giant van that had we're going to inflate the shit out of this crap uh 24 hours a day with with sirens blaring and then this this, this, went went down the street throwing throwing money out the window having set fire to the money first they could not make their intentions any clearer
1: tell us what you really think think, tim
2: (laughs) Well, I, I, I do have a tendency to sit on the fence, so... Yeah,
0: notoriously, you know, notoriously... Adept, notoriously ambivalent. Standing in the things. middle, never committing too much to one side. No, no Tim, he's, uh, you, should, you really should have been a
2: diplomat, mate. Oh, that would be great, wouldn't it? it, it I don't know quite... I suppose it's on the, the, the booze front. It remind I was thinking earlier uh, during what, what something that we were talking, and it's on the topic vaguely of diplomacy because you might remember there's a fantastic... Car, uh, it was Castle Main Forex ad, oh, which I think, I'm, I think I'm channeling the 80s now, my inner 80s child, which is when I kind of came of age. And that there's some guys going out to the local, whatever you call it, o- 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 Offy, Um and they, they, they've got a, a flatbed truck and they're just loading bottle
1: in Australia, mate. It's called a Bottolo.
2: Bottolo. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> is, is that like a Bordello? Yeah,
1: except instead yeah. of having to consume alcohol. Yeah,
2: fair enough. Um anyway, so they load up this flatbed truck with just crates upon crates of Forex. And then they say, Oh, better get something for the ladies. So uh, this 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 truck is literally swaying from side to side under the burden of about four and a half tons of CastleMone Forex. And so as a stop to the ladies, they get two bottles of sweet sherry that they put on top. And then the truck collapses and the wheels fly off. And he goes, Looks like we've overdone it with the sherry. A much loved—I've just massacred a much loved cultural artifact from the 1980s. But who gives a fuck? I mean, you know. <laughs> before
0: my time, mate. So uh, yeah,
2: I'm... this is this is the problem I have. So I'm cursed with with colleagues that are far younger than I am, which I guess is an operational hazard when you become a, an old fart. Um, I so mean, always... I was
1: alive then. I just wasn't consuming alcohol then.
2: Well, start them young with junior beer. That's the that's the trick, really. Um, Viz Viz magazine managed to identify that nugget of wisdom a long a long time ago. But um, this is the problem. So I'm constantly recommending the specifically films, but other things, but specifically films to colleagues. And they they sort of rather wearily go through this. Yes, okay, I'll add it to my list. And I know that they're basically just, it, it's, it's like it's like when you, not that I would ever do this, but like when you go to the, the pub and they say, could you please you know, sign in on the NHS biosurveillance slave uh, app? And then you take out your off phone and go beep uh, on, on top of something to make it look like you're just going through the motions. I, I've done like that, that, mate.
1: I've I've actually done that. <laughs> I'm joking. I, I went a, a, and they were like, can you scan the app? And I just put out my phone and just
2: yeah, it was like it, an it, arbitrary tap. Yeah, yeah. I've never
1: installed the app and I don't play.
2: Well, for. on a serious note, if they're determined to basically reduce us all to the level of of digital surfs, I can see that having a knock-on effect on the share prices of say Apple because I don't know about you, but if if they're going to insist on all this crap then I'm just not going to take my smartphone or my phone ever out ever again to a, to a place that requires the use of this Nazi fucking, uh, you know, obeisance, you know, uh, serfdom. So yeah, I, look, I think that could have a real knock on, knock on effect on, on, on the smartphone market. There, there's because- something in that. We're all carrying around these, these surveillance devices uh, against our will. We're, we're doing it you know, because we, we got suckered into it. But that doesn't mean we'll do it for all time, because if people realize how much freedom they're relinquishing simply mm. to, you know, to use Twitter and Facebook and, and stuff, then um, I think there'll be, think there'll be a, a backlash, not least from people like of my generation, who frankly you know, spent most of their life without it, so we can go back to living without it.
1: Yeah and there's a there's a bigger picture there that I think was even starting to unfold before everything and the shitstorm that kicked off in the last year just around around privacy around around information and who has access to it who knows where you are who uses that data to to track you to surveil you to understand you better without you even knowing they're doing it and we've seen it from big tech we definitely know it's happening from governments and the collection of big data and the way that they can analyze that big data. to even just, just know if they know where you go and how long you spend at places, they can predict if you're going to be a diabetic. So that then all of a sudden they can start to bump your insurance premiums or they can start to restrict you from access to things. And then if you start to roll that out with the idea of central bank-backed digital currencies, which is just another surveillance measure, then eventually we'll end up in a a point where they will restrict what you can spend and where and how you can spend it. Uh, So when we talk about these sorts of things and it sounds a little dystopian, it's not actually that big of a stretch to start to piece things together and see how this ends up progressing. Because if they can pigeonhole people, (coughs) into knowing who's going to be a drain on uh you know healthcare systems and who's not uh then and they can adjust for that so the more they know the granular information they know about us the better they know how to how to restrict and how to how to gather taxes and how to you know manage what is effectively uh, an insolvent company known as the government
0: Mm. Yeah, you know, on that on that note, and regarding Tim's short, I was actually watching a uh, there was a a presentation being given by one of the guys who participates in the in the mega, you know, well, not in the mega, but you know, the actual, uh, the Treasury auctions, the guilt auctions in the UK. And it was just a presentation on uh, how the debt management office at the UK Treasury had managed to deal with the huge amount of debt that they needed to uh to borrow if they got uh, a
2: photocopier
0: if well the bank of england had the photocopier so now you know the bank of england owns what more than 30 of all of the all the gilts but just when it came to the actual process <laughs> of ramming all of these gilts into the market uh, it ended up being uh you know they were trying to think of ways of increasing the amount of borrowing that they could do um, and getting the gilt edge market makers, what were the sort of UK version of primary dealers, to buy in because there, you know, it's not public auctions for most of this stuff. Though you can get a retail account, you know. Yeah, but uh, you'd be
2: mad. You'd be mad to do it. Well,
0: it's it's pretty interesting because, uh, you know, when they were trying to borrow all this stuff, so yeah, they borrowed what 450 billion or something <clears throat> last year when it was originally planned to be way, way, obviously way, way less than that. Mm. But uh, when it came to actually Finding a way of doing it, they, uh, you know, they were brainstorming how to do it because Mondays and Fridays they can't really do so much because liquidity is really poor that day, and they have to take into account that a lot of the banks aren't going to want to try and shift this debt um, very quickly because the Bank of England is restricted from buying it, I think it's a, a week after the bond issue, you, so you need to hold on to it for that long. But what they ended up doing was actually doubling the number of auctions. So they would—I I had no idea that this is how they'd done it. I, I presume they just. Try to auction more off each time, but they actually double the number of auctions in order to just shift these billions upon billions upon billions of guilts uh, out there. And Tim, you know, when you're talking about inflation being this really strong uh, thesis that you know the, that you've incorporated into what you're doing with yourself and your clients' money. Uh, I found it interesting that the Treasury has actually been restricting its issue of uh, inflation-linked bonds over uh, over the last few years, and, and, and now as well. Like they're actually reducing the number of the bonds uh, which are linked to the price of inflation. And that's of-
2: entire, that's entirely consistent with the thesis that they're going to inflate. So in yeah, words, it you, is. You, you, it why is. would, why would you away. increase your Why would you increase your liabilities to something that's going to be worth? That there's going to be even an even bigger liability for you over time if inflation takes off and let, let's also pretend that everybody trusts the inflation rate as stated by the government because they clearly <laughs> lie about that uh, this is this is why i think the both conventional fixed coupon guilts and also index linked i wouldn't touch either of them. the barge pole the, yeah, the only I mean, people the only people who will be buying this stuff are people who are basically forced by regulation and, and law to do it namely pension funds so I I predict huge problems for the pension fund industry over the coming years. I think that, that, that sector may indeed get vaporized.
0: I mean they've already changed the index that they use for calculating inflation last year uh, to from RPI to CPIH which is almost like well I mean that won't take effect after 2030 but it, it already feels somewhat like a um, sort of a soft default well there's there's a there's budget. a
2: fabulous there's a fabulous uh, website in the states called longorshortcapital.com and I've been following them for a while I think they've gone a bit quiet lately but they've got some they've got a really good back catalog of really humorous stuff and one of their coinages was the inflation ex inflation measure so they say, according to inflation, x-inflation, the inflation rate is actually quite—it's basically a straight line going across, it, like a flat line. I thought it was funny, but I should need to work on my delivery.
1: We need—we need to get some sound effects to come into this podcast. <laughs>
2: uh, well, I could—I could get a I get a sound effect of a of a flat line, uh, flatlining uh, ECG monitor, if you like. Should we try that? Let's see if I can get a flatlining ECG monitor.
1: Way to kill a room.
2: all right we. we Don't yeah, sorry, get, get to you. We, I don't. Th- I don't believe we've gone to your bearish
0: segment for this week. Do you want to? Do you want to tell us? Huh. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm. I'm bearish on um, Elon Musk because <laughs> he's. How did that even? How Tim's done this? You've got. I wonder if he's actually strapped to an ECG right now.
0: Yeah, he just turned the mic around.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, do we even know that Tim, are you actually doing this from a hospital? <laughs>
2: uh no, I, I I can't reveal my, my sources, I'm afraid. <laughs> like, I
1: can't, can't reveal it. where I'm actually located. Yeah, I'm bearish on Elon Musk this week. Um
2: I, he's but, he's front running, he's front-running crypto again, isn't he? The naughty little tyke.
1: Yeah, I mean P- possibly, you
2: know, I, allegedly.
1: He's <laughs> do, do you know what? Do you know what's just he's become Even outside of crypto, I mean, look, let's not let's not (laughs) pull any punches here. The reason that Tesla's stock price is as high as it is is because Elon Musk is some sort of um,
2: um, god. Idiot savant, idiot (laughs) savant, huckster.
1: Yeah, it's it it just befuddles me why he's held in such high regard uh, in investment communities because. I mean, okay, he's he's, he's, built, he's built some great companies. It's, you know, Tesla cars are great. They don't sell as anywhere near as many as they should based on the valuation. They don't make profits that they should based on the valuation. They get handouts from the government, uh, which just bumps up their, their balance sheet. Uh, and then they go and diversify into crypto, which I think is a good idea. Um, but again, it just seems to be the only reason is that when their stock price starts to fall, they find some new marketing bullshit that he starts to pull on Twitter to pump his pump the price of the stock. Uh, and he's and he's, he's and, and, and now since getting in on board with crypto and and Doge because he's just decided that that's the thing he's going to do. Uh, everyone thinks he's some sort of uh, a crypto God.
2: Have you seen, um, have you seen the, the the dog money video? Yeah. Which is fantastic. It's, it's you know fabulous, what? isn't it? That, fabulous, that video it?
1: does a lot to explain to people how <laughs> fucked up the existing financial mm-hmm. system is and why something like dog money even exists. Um, but at the same time, I mean, Elon Musk, if, if you hold <laughs> Elon Musk up as in the pinnacle of your mind, as somebody to follow uh and to 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 base your investment thesis is on uh you've got you got issues because uh he's he's just a guy that okay he's built some great stuff made a lot of money credit to him props happy days good on you but
2: he's uh, a loose cannon he's He's a loose
1: cannon cannon and he's not always right uh and, and and what they he released today that tesla's pausing all their bitcoin transactions and stuff because of the environmental impact that bitcoin's having on the environment i mean if that's not the wokest bullshit you've ever heard in your life uh then i don't know what is that is it is the epitome of someone in the marketing department saying right we need more green credits from the government let's say something uh, that's positive in that sense. Uh, oh, what can we do? Let's go after Bitcoin because that seems to be the flavor of the day for the environmental crusaders. Uh, and it's just wrong. It's just factually wrong. Somebody, um,
2: somebody earlier uh, requested sound effects. so I'm just going to pour a shortage blonde into my lap. Hold on.
1: <laughs> well, I'll continue then. But um, yeah, no, so I'm bearish on Elon Musk. I, I think a, uh, and I've said this for a long time, Tesla is way overvalued for what they do. Uh, competition for their stock is coming so hard and fast that it's going to peel the eyes off Tesla investors. Uh, and he's going to be very responsible for a lot of the damage that's going to come in their stock.
2: That uh, Shoreditch Blonde has made my midriff moist.
1: We told people the, this was going to, to be something special just, at the top. Just, and we weren't to sharing
2: wrong. that with you. We weren't wrong.
0: Sam, well, actually, for to what you were saying, when it comes to uh, his announcement with Bitcoin and talking about... Uh, You know, I don't see how anyone can really take it seriously that Elon Musk was somehow not familiar with the argument that he's since made, Um, you know, regarding, you know... uh, Oh, that's tart. A lot of um, using a lot of energy and whatnot. But in terms of why do you think he actually did it? Because I'm not convinced even remotely that he suddenly came across He was suddenly... He suddenly, uh, you know, read uh, some Bloomberg article or whatever that says... That Bitcoin uses lots of energy, therefore it's bad. I mean, why? Why do you think he actually did it? Do you think someone um, providing the subsidies <laughs> said, uh, you know, you should really be, uh, you should really be, uh, you know, Excuse turning me. back some of this Bitcoin stuff because, you know, this is it, this is. Uh, Very bad. You know, the US Treasury has in the past done what it could regarding the introduction of Bitcoin futures to decrease the Bitcoin price because they were afraid of it being uh, a bubble that was going to be bad for everyone. Do you think there's something like that going on where uh, they just don't like his promotion of crypto to this point that they, you know, they want to uh, get him to ease off on it and that this was the way that he could do it?
1: Uh, yeah. So look, boys, it's no coincidence that Tesla also announced uh, that they're going to be entering the renewable fuels market. And when they said that they were going to stop Bitcoin until the energy efficiency of mining got better, the interesting part about their very brief statement that Musk tweeted on Twitter was he mentioned specifically that Most of it is mined using coal, (laughs) fossil fuels. So they very smartly mentioned coal, very dirty fuel. We're going to be all, not until it's, you know, Bitcoin mining is much more energy efficient. And at the same time, we're now going to get into the renewable fuels credit market. So um, anyone that can throw subsidies their way for that. The timing of it stinks. It's a marketing ploy. They need more subsidies and more um, green credits just to just to boost and, and buffer up their balance sheet because take those away um, and Tesla's company kind of sucks, really. But yeah, I think it's all just
0: a big sham. So Sam, in terms of the beer you're on at the moment, would you like to give us a rating?
1: Yeah, so I've knocked off, I'm onto my second now, but I've knocked off the new Barnes Pilsner Uh, 4.2%, easy to drink, lovely little Pilsner. Um, I enjoyed that. I could drink a few of those without too much trouble, not particularly heavy, but obviously not particularly alcoholic. Um, But at the same time, you know, not exactly anything to write home about. Uh, I'd give that a
2: B minus.
0: And Tim, how would you rate the Jester IPA?
2: Are you familiar? I haven't. With I, 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 I came too soon. I spoke too soon. I misspoke. I'm actually on the Shoreditch Blonde. even Shoreditch as Shoreditch Blonde's and coming too soon. And it's it's very tart, I don't mind saying. It's, you, it's uh, 110% tart. Have you already gone through the Jester? No, no, I haven't. I was saying I started on the Shoreditch Blonde first. Ah, I, I, right. I, and I'm, I'm slowly necking her even as we speak.
0: Have we, have we got a rating?
2: Um... How do you, how would you like this in numeric terms in 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 uh, letters? <laughs> well, bring this we down, down quickly. <laughs> okay, well it's a Shoreditch blonde, so two thumbs up.
0: <laughs> I guess we'll translate that, Sam. I, I, I'm guessing this would be a. I um, see two thumbs up. I give it plus. a B plus then. Yeah, that sounds like B plus to me. <laughs> with with the sling it out stout, I would give this a B. It was uh, it was really quite pleasant actually. I, I think I was pretty good. Now, uh, moving on to our bullish segment. Uh, Tim, do you want to start us off? What are you bullish on this week?
2: Um, I'm bullish on humanity. I'm bullish on entrepreneurialism. I'm bullish on the the rapid uh, wheels falling off the uh, global pandemic. Uh, so I think uh, that the murderous plan to enslave humanity, I think that that, that that scheme is starting to creak. And uh, I think pretty soon. Apparently the the word, um, do you know what the word apocalypse literally translates as?
0: Not, Not
1: literally,
2: no. Oh, is this, oh, wait, no,
0: I think I know this. Is oh. this, uh, it's uh, like people opening their eyes and seeing stuff, like-
2: seeing Yeah, so I, I never studied Greek. I did a, I did a tiny bit of Latin at school, uh, but I never did any Greek at all. Latin. But apparently, apparently uh, in vino veritas, uh nevertheless nay, nay 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 mrs don't don't titter um anyway back to apocalypse um apocalypse apparently means unveiling yeah that was it. so i would have previously probably like most people would have said it means like the end of the world it's or in other words it's, it's synonymous with armageddon but apparently means unveiling so i think what's going to happen this year is i think we're already in the process of finding out a lot of people's true colors
0: <laughs> you know something i found uh I found kind of, well, I thought it was quite insidious recently, actually, um, was the, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with this already, Tim, but uh, I wasn't familiar before that the Mer- Merriam-Webster have changed their definition of anti-vaxxer to what? not only somebody who is uh, against vaccines, as would be the traditional interpretation, but anti-vaxxer apparently now also means uh, somebody who is against mandatory vaccination policies. Which I thought was—it uh, sounded, it, you know—it seemed really. Or if you prefers
2: someone who is someone who's simply in favour of upholding the Nuremberg Code on medical ethics. So this is—you're right. In see, this is exactly the right way to describe it. And as, as a as someone who has a master's degree in English from Oxford, um, there is something deeply wrong and deeply unsettling about playing fast and loose with the English language mm. in the course of a political agenda.
1: Right. So
2: th- something has gone very badly wrong if you are. Basically abusing the language for the purpose of political and and malign political ends. So I'm 100 110 percent with you on this.
0: Yeah, it it feels like almost a almost a soft power uh, grab. A, the usage of soft power in order to to yep. push a policy agenda, um, and it does make you wonder who is it who is it, who defines who de, who gets to define words, right? Well, I think I
2: think we know who I think we know who some of the, the people behind this this are, and we you know. Mr. Global is, is what Catherine Austin Fitz calls them, but I would call them Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, uh, Anthony Fauci, uh, big tech, Big me- bad Bad tech, bad media, bad pharma. We know who's responsible for this. It's only a matter of time before they all get uh, defenestrated, let's say. I, I will do everything in my power to try and have that happen, because I mm-hmm. think we're living in the, the uh, opening salvos of World War III, and we're at war with our own governments. Yeah. So, what
1: you, you, I was going to say, there's definitely a, a, a feeling that I think people now realise. I don't know why they didn't realise it before that you you cannot trust.
2: the, cannot people trust the government. Cannot trust government. You're in power. I mean, can't, you can't trust the establishment. You can't trust no. the judiciary. You can't trust the media. Yeah, uh, it's it's an easier question to answer. Who can you trust? Which is but, well, you need and, to be and, very very selective.
1: Uh, it, it makes me a little sad that it took what's happened in the last 12 months for people to realize that.
2: People people um, wake up at different rates, clearly. I suppose.
1: I, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're true. People, people come to an, an appreciation and understanding of things diff- at different speeds. And I have no doubt that part of like like if governments could be trusted if central bankers could be relied on if all these centralized entities and powers these these very elite groups that make mass decisions for the supposed benefit but they're clearly not of everybody then we wouldn't have conversations about bitcoin and cryptocurrency or anything like that wouldn't exist um but because they aren't to be trusted and because they lie to our faces and because they make shit up as they go uh, that's why all of a sudden we are talking about great social unrest. We're talking about factions and, and and different parts of society that are clashing in ways that we've seen plenty of times before, and we'll see you know into the future. But it feels like this time there's a greater <laughs> awareness of available information, um, people's ability to connect and to mobilize uh, large groups is is available in a way that hasn't been. Uh, so easy to do before, um, and the, that's it, it, shifting. There's a there's a shift in power. There's a shift in the balance of power away from um, centralized entities to to people. And I think I, it's, we're, we're in for some pretty fucking interesting times.
2: Oh, I, without a doubt. I have a quote from Charles M- Mackay, author of Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds. And I dare say you're familiar with it. Men, it has been well said, think in herds. It will be seen that they go mad in herds. Well, they only recover their senses slowly, one by one. And there's a corollary to that, which is Ernest Hemingway, which is, and again, this is probably one that you've, you've both rehearsed several times. How did you go bankrupt? Well, slowly and then all at once.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah Hemingway is uh, quite, quite a character. You know, I only found out recently that his boat, you know, because he lived in Cuba for quite a long time, his boat when he were, because he lived on the boat. Uh, is
2: in is like- that where he wrote The Old Man and the Sea? I believe so. I, though, I'm not. That would into... that would be consistent with that, because I think he wrote it towards the end of his life.
0: Yeah, but they, they uh, you know, it's now in like the the Havana Museum. It's now, you yeah, know, uh, uh, a state-owned asset. Sadly, but I think a lot of people have made reconstructions of them since. Um, Sam, have you said what you're bullish on this week?
1: Yeah, I'm bullish on the end of the world. Oh so wow!
0: You're should... also bullish on the apocalypse.
1: I am, uh, but in the non-literal sense of the definition. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's actually all going down. It's actually, because look, I, I, I love science and I love shit like space and I love the universe and I, I like quantum theory and quantum mechanics. Sorry,
2: is there anything you're not going not gonna to grab here? I mean, if you say you love the universe, that you've kind of claimed everything, if you don't mind me saying.
1: Sorry, I love the, the study of the universe and our <laughs> understanding of, of how it operates Forgiven. Uh, that we know of so far. And I saw some fascinating uh, stuff this week about the end of the world, because w- s- according to quantum physics and what we understand about our sun is that it will <laughs> die. Four
2: billion years time though. We've got we've got a while yet.
1: Yeah, but it's gonna happen. This is the thing. It is fact that it's gonna happen. See a lot of a lot of the end of the world shit now is theory that may probably not happen, but we absolutely know the sun will kill the earth.
2: I think I think sorry, sorry to cut in
1: all earths.
2: I think sorry to cut in. I think if we sacrificed Maybe a young European Scandinavian teenager. Um, perhaps, possibly, we could defer some of these um, terrible climate apocalypses. Uh, well, I don't know if there's any. I don't know if there's well, any base. I don't know if there's any heavily manipulated young um, Scandinavian teenager that we could we could we could basically burn inside a wicker idol. But I, maybe we should start looking for some.
1: Well, look. My, my point is is that regardless of what you do or do not believe about any of that is it is all going to end. So therefore- Well, that, 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 that's, that's cannot a problem. You not be bullish on the end of the world.
2: <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's theoretically impossible
1: it. to not be bullish that the world is going to end. It's already priced in mate. But it's, it's for the markets are so the, forward thinking the that question they're looking at a trillion trillion years into the future the when the question earth will be consumed by well, well, this what, what is what is, what is realistically
2: explosion. the problem that we should be discussing is the slow uh, and inevitable heat death of the universe. But the, the sun in, in, in exploding and engorging the earth is is a local local issue. So it gives us an Elon Musk presumably will be cryogenically frozen and reanimated throughout the next 4 billion years constantly, it gives us 4 billion years to work out how to get outside of our solar system onto somebody else's. So I'm very optimistic about this.
1: Well, you would think that, but we also know that all stars will eventually die and that there'll be a black hole age, which will consume all matter. So really all Earths and all interplanetary species are fucked. thereby you you, you have to be bullish on the end of the world
2: and all worlds if you don't mind me saying sam you're thinking so three-dimensionally about this
1: (laughs) i just thought you know what it's you know there's a lot happening in this world and so let's be you know we can be super optimistic but we can also be super pessimistic because it's it's you know it's fact
0: pretty pretty nihilistic i must say sam i mean you know
2: there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. I think we should keep an open mind about these things.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair enough. I think for uh, my boy- this is
2: this is the kind of territory I was expecting to get into after several hours of hard drinking. And yet we're all already- and, and, and random Shakespeare quotes is definitely my it's definitely it's definitely up my strata, so to speak. So this
1: is what this is what people come to expect from us. It's it's looking at the markets, talking about the markets, and absolute random shit as well from time yeah. to
2: time.
0: We're pricing it in ahead of time, Tim. That, that's, uh, that's I mean, that's, that's the
2: fabulous going. discounting. I, I'd like to go back briefly, if I may, to, to Hemingway. There's a great, well, I say great, and I apologise if I get a bit weepy because um, I'm prone to high emotion. There's a story about Hemingway, and I think I got this from one of the two books, either When Money Dies or Dying of Money, um, both of which are excellent reads, but uh, people, I think, ought to gen up about the risk of hyperinflation about what, what about previous episodes of, of hyperinflation in history namely weimar germany and as we know there's, there's been other places including zimbabwe that have suffered this fate and i, I suspect we may yet get sit first hand ourselves if we're not careful <clears throat> anyway so hemingway apparently was was in berlin with his girlfriend during the weimar 23 uh, inflation hyperinflation and he went up, he, and basically he, there was someone selling apples in the in the town square. And he went up, and because he was an American, he he, he converted his dollars into Swiss francs, and then Swiss francs into whatever it was, Deutsch marks and marks or whatever. Anyhow, so he, he bought he bought some apples, and a little elderly Prussian gentleman who was clearly retired, who was a, probably a what do you call it, someone who fought in the the First World War, um, a veteran went up to him and just said, Excuse me, uh, um, I couldn't help but notice that you bought bought an apple. Can I ask how much you paid for it? And Hemingway told him. And then this little old gentleman just sort of shook his head and then walked away and just said, I, I can't I can't pay. It's too much. And that that is that is what hyperinflation that that is the real impact of hyperinflation in, in reality. It's just it's just staggering.
0: Yeah. A very uh very harrowing uh a harrowing tale and it is when you think of how hyperinflation is now affecting uh venezuela and to well you say lesser extent but it is it is occurring in in places like iran as well to a it's to a lesser extent but uh, tell that to somebody who owned alone uh you know and owned uh, all of their savings in cash at an iranian bank somewhere they're not going to tell you oh well you know it's uh at least I don't have it as bad as, as Venezuela.
2: So I can give you a modern a modern um, iteration of that. And it was when I was working at Merrill Lynch Private Banking in 1999, 2000 uh, era, to so the first dot-com boom. And my colleague, who I won't name, but that's just, just so I, I don't reveal his, his identity because he probably wouldn't want me to... Um, we, 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 he was servicing the South African market from from London. so he was, uh, he'd regularly go to South Africa on trips and go to Cape Town and Johannesburg and Durban. and anyhow. so he, <clears throat> uh, he, he told me a story about a guy uh, a South African entrepreneur, businessman. and uh, the guy in question said, "Excuse me, uh, can I open an account with you guys?" And my colleague said, "Yeah, sure, by all means." And then sort of the conversation and the dialogue and the relationship sort of went on. And then my colleague ultimately had to say, look, I, I hate to put you on the spot, but at some point you, you'll need to say how much you're planning to deposit with us. Because you know, we do we have a minimum threshold, investment threshold. I think I said, trust me, I've been in business all my life. You know, It's been very successful. You know, I, 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 it, it'll be fine, honestly. And it ultimately transpired that whereas this guy had been super successful in South African RAM terms, when you express that in, say, U.S. dollar terms, you had 10K, you know, enough basically for an ISA. And right. I found that extremely moving and very, very depressing. And that is what it's like when your currency basically hugely devalues. And people have, most people have no experience of something like this happening, but it could happen. should it be it interesting if that happen. happens to
1: the U.S. dollar.
2: Well, this is this is it, isn't it? Because at the moment, you get the sense, or I get the sense, one gets the sense that the 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 central banks, the governments, but the central banks of the world are trying all trying to devalue, and of course, they can't all succeed because if you're devaluing, you need there needs to be something that's actually appreciating to offset that. Everyone can't devalue together because what are you devaluing against? Unless you're devaluing against a hard asset like, say, gold,
1: so which I think is what's in- happening. Well, I I want to level this one at you. What what, are they, what do they what the what do they shift to? Do, do they do, surely the US dollar can't stay as a reserve global reserve currency at this rate?
2: So here's let do me, let go me throw to the,
1: is are they really going to go back to a gold standard? Can they? Let go me back to gold standard? let me
2: throw I don't know the the, the answer to that question. Let me throw a one back at you. This is something that we've been discussing with prospective clients every so when when someone comes to us and says I've mentioned in, you know talking about you know your services and we have a little chat and blah blah blah. There's a pop quiz that we've been using now for probably 15 years. And the three questions. First question Which country is at a sovereign level the largest miner of gold in the world?
1: Uh, I probably would have said Australia.
2: It's
0: China, but uh, it's only if you believe they're, they mark their own homework because they don't.
2: Yeah, yeah. So so I accept, yeah, there is an element of that. So the second question Which country at a sovereign level doesn't allow an ounce of its gold for export?
1: See where
2: you're getting at. <laughs> uh, the question number three is: Which country has advised all of its uh, citizens to own gold? The answer to all three questions is China. So I guess all I'm saying is, is it beyond is it is it beyond the realms of possibility that China has quite genuine ambitions to de- dethrone King Dollar and be the new global reserve currency, backed in large part by by gold?
1: I. I would I would have said yes to that but even I think that they know that there's so that there's so little trust for them
2: and it the probably can't it probably can't happen now but, but I'm just saying we're happen. we're on a journey at the moment so yeah. Maybe this is just sort of a, uh, like a placeholder. This is just something to revisit in, in ten
1: ten of, years ago. Yeah. I would have said, yeah, I, I could yeah. absolutely see it replacing the U.S. dollar as a global reserve. I, I couldn't. I couldn't say I could say the same thing today. But the thing is,
2: there's, there's two. Th- there's two things that are happening because obviously all these tectonic plates are, are shifting at once, so it makes the whole thing look completely chaotic. Probably because it is completely chaotic. But on the on the, the one thing that I think has changed quite radically over the last say ten years is the 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 status of the US uh, both economically and geopolitically I'd say is eroded and I think at the moment it's 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 under the notional leadership of someone who I think stole the last election I think I, I think Biden is a complete fraud I think it will be d- discovered as a fraud and I, I expect well let's just say I expect things to change dramatically in, in the US in the political sphere this year I hope but
1: it's it's like weekend at fucking Bernie's there at the moment with him in power. Yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. Uh, so anyway, so, so on the one hand, you've got a, a U.S. government that if even if you accept that Biden's a legitimate president, which I don't, but that's that's a personal opinion, then the U.S. is the U.S. is behaving as if it's trying to destroy itself uh, through race hmm. wars and culture wars and woke wars and green crap and all the, all these other things. Uh, at the same time as the comparative uh status of china is uh in the ascendant i would suggest i know it's got a debt problem too but you you look at the whole thing through the prism of you look at the whole coronavirus you know scamdemic of the last you know year uh, through the prism of qui bono who benefits from all this if you think that ultimately all human activity really comes down to money and power then you, you have to come to the conclusion well china's had a pretty good war hasn't it because they've they've psyched the rest of the world into lockdowns, especially Britain. I don't know why. I don't know why we our, our political supposed leaders have you know taken us to task. But uh, unless you believe that Boris is the Manchurian candidate, which is what I believe, uh, and that Sage is a bunch of communists that should all be hanged publicly for crimes against humanity. Anyway, we're getting into sort of minor issues now, um, but. China is is undoubtedly is more in the ascendant. Us with the rip raft Tim. Ch- China is undoubtedly in the ascendant and the 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 pendulum has most definitely swung towards Asia. so i'm I'm going to do a brilliant segue now, I think in my own mind and and say I'm bullish about Asia, not not China, and I also think anybody that invests in China should be hanged uh, for basically being uh, an ESG uh, hypocrite. but I am very <laughs> bullish on the prospects. <laughs> I'm very bullish on the prospects for Southeast Asia, for Japan, for Vietnam, for basically entrepreneurial Asia, uh, for non China Asia. And, yeah, I uh, concur with great that. Great value yeah. there. Some great value there.
1: And uh, do you know what? So I find interesting about that region is that Australia's clearly made their choice as to what's more important to them the economy or military protection. Um, New Zealand's clearly made their choice on that uh, aspect as well, but it's have all those seen, other have, you seen,
2: have you seen? you seen the pictures of Jacinda Ardern's penis? <laughs> it's clearly protruding through a dress. I mean, I, God knows what is going on in New Zealand.
1: At this point, we should probably reinforce that all all views given on booze, booms, and busts are those of the individual speakers of heavily
2: inebriated individuals, and and therefore actually they're nobody's they're nobody's views. Actually, I'm what? blaming. I'm what we also s- appreciate on this topic: Jester IPA and and Shoreditch Blonde.
1: Everyone's right to their own views, uh, which is sadly I may not lacking. Ag- I may not
2: agree with your views, but I will defend to the death your right to express them.
1: Absolutely, and and I believe that is something that we don't get enough of uh, in today's society, uh, regardless or, of whether or not you think Jacinda Arden is a fucking hypocrite or not, or a man, or 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 that. <laughs> you know I, I, uh, nonetheless I do concur with here. the idea that Asia outside of China is still a very interesting exciting development <laughs> one place of the re- one of the reasons a I mean lot even, of potential.
2: E- e- even Japan and I appreciate that for many investors Japan is the dragons land because they've been so badly burnt on false dawns in the past I would merely humbly submit that the re so this for me uh, we're not a hedge we're not a hedge fund so we don't short anything we we do invest in trend following funds that do short stuff but we don't short ourselves. Because we haven't got the, the technical or the the, the you know, philosophical uh, attributes to do that successfully, but if we were a long short hedge fund, I here's here's a here's a, here's a sort of a, a brief thesis: long Japan, short US for the next five years, ten years. The reason I say the long Japan is because what what kind of a world are we now entering? We're entering a world in which, uh, you know, put it this way: the, the Japanese Japanese companies now have the healthiest balance sheets in the world. They have been through a grinding 20-plus-year deflationary depression. Those Japanese businesses that have survived that, they are bulletproof. They've they've been to hell and back. They have little or no leverage. They're cash-generative. They're very profitable. And more to the point, they are, to use Taleb's phrase, anti-fragile. Compare that to small mid-cap, in particular U.S., where these companies... I've never had more leverage ever and they're about to enter the teeth of a gale. I know which market I would rather own, put it that way.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of companies in Japan, you know, a lot of the Japanese car makers, uh, a lot of the Japanese gaming companies, a lot of the Japanese uh, electronic companies that have, they've been through hell and back for decades and are robust as fuck.
0: There is the uh, Jim Rogers uh, comment that if you're a young fella in Japan, you need to learn how to, you need to either leave the country or learn how to use an AK-47 because hmm. demographics are really turning against
1: you, which is, uh, you know, it's a Interestingly, very on, on that point, uh, so a lot of people know about the Hunger Games movies, but they may not have seen what it's really based on, which is a Japanese movie called Battle Royale. If you're not, well, if you no, it's
0: not a movie. It's not a movie. It's a manga, which the movie was then based on.
1: Um, okay i'll I'll give you that if no one has seen the manga or the movie that it was based on see those and then go watch the pissy little hollywood hunger games movie battle royale is hardcore that shit is wicked
0: right we are getting on for time slightly jen so (laughs) uh, i shall ask you both for your beer ratings for your second beer i'll lead us off here uh, the second one I went for was one called Interstellar IPA. I think we may actually have had it previously on the podcast. but That this was a is... good
1: segue for the end of the world planetary shit, man. What
0: yeah, you... I probably should have introduced it there. But this is actually the version two. So if we have had it before, this is not the same ones I had. Uh, this is a 5.6% IPA. Uh, and it is brewed by Beer Brothers. And um, yeah, it actually it was actually pretty good. Nothing too memorable, however. So I won't be giving it a great rating. I think I'll give this one a, a B-. Uh, Tim, uh, have you? Did you manage to get onto the Jester IPA? Yeah, I,
2: I sadly had to to slide off the Shoreditch Blonde uh, in favor of. Um, he's, um, he's
1: going. He's, he's sticking with this, Boaz. He's not letting one go. I tell you, I tell you, when you get an
2: when you get an Oxford English graduate and a metaphor, you know, God and all the armies of the world cannot drive them apart.
1: Uh, clearly, I will ride. I will clearly.
2: ride this metaphor until until its legs fall off. He's still going with it. <laughs> Sorry, I was referring no, 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 I no, no, that <laughs> reference to legs was to a metaphor and not to the anyway. I can see we're how how much do I add? Um anyway, I'm on gesture IPA now. So this is the this is the Adnams Jester IPA that my <laughs> beloved um three kindly bought for me. Um it's 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 not as in your face as the Shoreditch Blonde, I have to say. The Shoreditch Blonde really kind of pokes your eyes out with with her embonpoint of taste and, and, and tartness. So I'd give the Jester IPA, I'd give it probably, well, the Shoreditch Blonde got a solid two thumbs up. The Jester, um, uh, a scattering of applause. Oh, that sounds like
1: an A to me, Boaz. Yeah, it does sound like
0: an A. That does sound like an A. I, 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 yeah, put that one down as an A, I think i think so uh
1: as for me uh so poetic justice hazy ipa which is uh a tasty little 6.5 percenter
2: oh Uh, nice nice yeah that's
1: that's that's actually probably one of the more demure alcoholic content beers that we usually consume on this podcast uh we're known to go up into the eights and above um this one you you really
2: want to go for belgian for the for the for the double digits
1: Oh, you, we we'll get you on again some other time, Tim, and we'll send the ones that you should be drinking to And oh yeah, this would be a very different conversation. In an hour. My,
2: uh, I'm trying to think what my favorite is because unfortunately, um, it's not even a victim of lockdown. It, it actually crashed and burned before lockdown even started. But uh, I'm thinking of Belgo. I think Bel. I don't know about Belgo Central uh, in Covent Garden, but Belgo Nord is in Camden, which is not far from where I live. And uh, they, they basically they 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 sort of you know, turned turtle quite a while ago. Um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, Delirium Tremens is one of my favourites from there, and I'm just going to see through um, the ma- through the magic of the internet. We'll, we'll see if we can AV get some is.
1: on sometime soon.
2: But there's there's another one. Um, yeah, Delirium Tremens actually comes the, the bottle has itself a pink elephant on it, which I think is rather sweet. But yeah, the that's, other the, one, uh, that's like. the
0: symbol. That's the symbol of the uh, the entire brewery. I think Delirium. Uh, it identifies itself with the pink elephant. I think they did. There's a thing where one of their breweries, I think, is staffed only by women, so they have a big thing for breast cancer. Uh, right. In general. And that's that's one of the reasons. In, the pink in, in, in,
2: in which case, I would be even keener to support that that brand. Um, and the some of the other ones, I like a Pavel Kvac. Uh, Opu Gesundheit is the one I have on my own. Um, uh, Kvak dispensing. You'll know you you probably have had Quack because if you've ever been to a Belga or something similar, Quack has like a spherical glass. Um, it's like a like a scientific, like a lembic or something. It's um, like a
0: yard of ale glass, but exactly. So
2: you, it ale needs ale to be in a stand. Like but a yard. P- P- Bubble Quack's quite nice. And there's one, uh, I'm trying to think what it is, but it has a logo of a like a, a, a small crescent like moon, uh, which is delicious. And that's that's perhaps my favorite Belgian. Um, it's Strapha Hendrick. Well, Tim's,
1: Tim's beer musings aside, I'm going to finish off my rating. The m- sorry, sorry, sorry. Was
2: I was I was I was I completely smashing all over, blundering all waffling, over? Set, were you waffling? On? I mean,
1: I mean, waffling on is is is, is I guess subject. This isn't this isn't waffling. This is Waffle. high
2: quality content. <laughs> um, so the Mourn- by Mountain, a raving maniac.
1: Morn Mountain Brewery, which is in Warren Point, which I have no idea where that is. Um, But nonetheless, that's where it's from. And uh, Poetic Justice, uh, enjoyable, hazy IPA. I'm going to give this a B, just a B. It was okay.
2: I think if if, if Straffa Hendrick is interested, uh, I think Straffa Hendrick is, is the most superb drink in the world. If anybody's interested in sponsoring this excellent podcast, I think it ought to be Straffa Hendrick. I would willingly sell my house and all its contents to keep Strafford Hendrick and its associated brewing activities going. Uh, Strafford Hendrick, you heard it here first.
0: I definitely recommend their quadruple. It is uh, quadruple. It is very fine indeed. It definitely doesn't taste the uh, double-digit percentage that it is. Fine.
2: Eleven. It's eleven. It comes in at eleven. It goes all the way to eleven. Yeah. How exciting is that?
0: But it tastes like a six, so it's even. It's even better. Uh, I'm
2: sorry. That's 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 like that's like sex on a stick.
0: It's uh you stand up. It's only when you stand up that you realise what the percentage was. You know, it's uh, a good
1: beer is when you realise how strong it is until you stand.
0: Until up. you stand up, yeah. But gents, we have. Uh, I'm sure we could carry on actually for probably about three hours with <laughs> this podcast. But time, sadly, is getting on for us here, and we. I'm afraid uh, we... I
2: can only last about five minutes with a Shoreditch blonde these days. That's a sign oh, of still age. Nice, going with a Boaz. Still
0: going with it. He's, uh,
1: it. he's If
2: it ain't broke, don't fix it. He's, uh, he's it uh, a long-term before? investor. Oh, that's that's a metaphysical quandary from which I may never be able to escape. Well, gents, that was
0: episode 45 of Boos and Booms and Busts. I hope you have a very good weekend. If you're listening to this, we shall be back again next week with episode 46. But in the meantime, we shall see you then. And uh, we shall be back next week. We'll maybe get a guest on uh, another time. Uh, But that's all for this week. Hope you're having a very good time and we'll see you in the next one.